0: So, uh, bye, Big Ben. You're a piece of shit. So, though, welcome to all four quarters. We one stop trapping these news, No reactions to all things NFL. Um, yeah, no games happened. I'm looking forward to the championship range, uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> So hey, we got Connor here. We've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's Tricks Danny Cork? Eh, yeah, not much going on
1: these days. Um, quiet enough now. Still haven't really done much with the the COVID regulations, the freedom. I was in the pub once, but it was very strange. Very strange. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Just like how many, just how quickly people start to act normally as well. There are loads of like young people, which you know, they're all like vectors of disease so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's going to take a while to adjust back um, but uh, yeah, yeah slowly step by step I'd say step by step
0: mm. very good and um, what about yourself Fitz
2: yeah not, not too much different uh, not taking too much advantage I went to see the the new Spider-Man film eventually which is mm. I saw that on it on Saturday as well It's as impressive as a film in the sense of its franchise management as an actual spectacle itself. Now, it's a good film, but the way that they actually have to do all this work to make Spider-Man work is this kind of joint property. Mm. And the way they did that and it still ended up being a good product and a good film... Yeah. It was impressive in my opinion.
0: <laughs> no, no, pretty good. Uh, I, I, I quite enjoyed it now, it was good fun. Uh I won't do any spoilers in case anyone has not seen it yet, but it's uh it's a good one. Yeah, you know, we did uh we laid our garden so we've now got a, a, a lush grassy garden out the back, which uh you know was a big movement from where it was beforehand and then went to see Spider Man and then went out and watched the football. So it was uh it was very really good. Um very exciting albeit, you know, not exactly maybe the results I was hoping for in the end. Um but yeah, no, apart from that, uh fairly fairly quiet overall i suppose we'll fly straight on into the news so a few bits started to break the mi- minute that we had finished uh, recording last day although it's a question mark did it did it really break until just now about two hours beforehand uh quarterback tom brady is retired after 22 seasons with seven super bowls five super bowl mvps three mvps six all pros 15 pro bowls 100th anniversary all team all time team and he's also on the 2000s and 2010s all decades team so he finishes as the leader in loads and loads of categories so like most career passes most career passing yards most passing touchdowns most wins and he's also over a thousand rushing yards as well so (laughs) <laughs> pretty much the pretty much the the dog's bollocks when it comes to uh, to quarterbacks although he has been a constant for probably pretty much all the time that we've been watching properly Um, maybe maybe not at the very very early when we kind of saw Super Bowl as as young children but like uh, yeah no he's been pretty much a constant that's now going to be gone from the landscape of our NFL watching so uh, particularly for yourself Sean given he was you know you're a Patriots fan have been for for for, for decades uh, yeah it must be a big of, bit of a surprise to see that happening
1: Well, I mean, you can hardly say a guy who's 44 retiring should be a surprise, but uh, given he's just had probably his best season, or at least top two or three, it is interesting to see him going out at this stage. I do wonder if it's something to do with having to play another year in Tampa Bay when that entire team seems to be falling to bits uh, around him. But uh, yeah, and I mean... I, I mean, there's the, the kind of the the rational part of me that's like, okay, you know, he's had two Hall of Fame careers, basically, back to back. You could split his career into two different parts, or even three it different even parts, three. They'd all, yeah, they'd all be Hall of Fame careers, which is kind of incredible, um, but for me, there's also like the personal that, the, I'll never forget the 2001 Super Bowl, The the you know, young Tom, that entire season where that team came out of nowhere, that was when I fell in love with the Patriots, that team that came out of nowhere, built around Belichick's um, defensive guru-ness and the masterclass he put in in that Super Bowl against the Rams. And, you know, Tom Brady's this young guy who was, you know, not anywhere near the level he would get, um, but being reliable enough to go down the, the field at the very end and do what has to, to be done to not make mistakes. And the way he's developed then over the years to suddenly turn into like this you know field general who could have the 50 touchdown season if he needed to when he finally had someone like Randy Moss to throw to to you know to being part of that that Pat's offense that kind of incredibly efficient just you know marching down the field with with Gronk and Edelman and all that I mean it's just there's so many of my kind of NFL memories are basically of things that Tom Brady did that the comeback against the Falcons obviously is I mean that I was of the opinion and I think I said it at the time at the that the party we were at that that, that was the moment to retire for me if, if I had been Tom Brady that's when you walk away is when you've that was his fifth I think which was the, at that point the record breaker and he'd done it after a 25 point comeback in the most crazy of circumstances and I mean there was no way he was ever going to top that uh, and I do wonder maybe even with two more Super Bowls if he himself thinks that that probably was the moment to go but maybe Giselle needed her, uh, you know, her two years in the sunshine. Uh, I imagine winters in Boston are not the most fun. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the sport will never be the same. I doubt we'll ever see anyone of his ability ever again. Uh, And, yeah, the NFL, for all the controversy as well, the NFL would be a, a colder, darker place without him there. Um, And suddenly there are loads of teams, especially in the NFC, suddenly thinking about we might actually win some Super Bowls now that he's gone. Um, So, yeah, Godspeed, Tom, Godspeed. Uh, I'm sure he'll get some cushy uh, media job down the line, uh, no doubt. We won't see the end of you, but, uh, yeah, we won't see her like again on the field, I think, for some time.
2: Yeah, and I think... The story of 21st century American football is the story of Tom Brady from the Tuck rule, those first two kicks from Vinatieri to win those two touchdowns, the helmet catch, the Manningham catch, you know, Malcolm Butler, you know, Philly Philly, you know, beating McVeigh, you know, going to Tampa Bay, winning a, a Super Bowl there, like putting Patrick Mahomes in his place to some extent. Uh, like obviously lots of defensive stuff there and then you know the controversies like spygate the Flakegate, you know all of these other things that he's involved with and all the different schemes that he's involved with because unlike someone like Peyton Manning who kind of had his scheme and like this is what football is to him and he perfected that Tom Brady was able to adapt and change to whatever's there as you say early on being a, a game manager a point guard just like relying on the defense making sure not to make turnovers and then you know being part of one of the most explosive offenses in the league when they nearly had the undefeated season with Randy Moss and Wes Welker going to the two tight end set bringing that back and making this huge explosive new variant and then returning almost to back to the source at the end of the was Patriots run um, when they you know had that master class of defensive football and just running the ball and playing conservative um, when they beat the Rams and then going to Tampa Bay having surrounded by all these talents and everyone who thought maybe Brady had lost it in those final years with the Patriots was quickly proven wrong as he just turned into an explosive downfield passer again, as if the last fifteen years hadn't happened and had have been, you know, in your early mid forties. Is no is no barrier to still being an elite explosive like quarterback and now this season having an mv caliber type season like he might lose at the rogers but it was an mv key caliber season and he looked at his best and yeah it's just it's ridiculous what he achieved like all those accolades are well deserved and yeah like i think the big thing about tom brady is that for him it was all about winning nothing else mattered whatever needed to happen needed to be done to win whether fair nor foul or whatever in between he was willing to do that and i don't think it's very likely we'll see anyone like him ever again. Just this longevity, this level of success, this dedication to his craft, uh, to maintaining himself in his latter years. And yeah, like two, three, uh, like type, like Hall of Fame careers all wrapped up in one person. And yeah, like the NFL will be changed forever by not having Tom Brady around. And yeah, all those other names that will come up when you talk about the the last two decades, like the the Peyton Manning and the Drew Brees and the, all everyone else. All of those will will. You know, be shadowed by the legend that was Tom Brady. So yeah, farewell, and uh, hope you enjoy retirement. He almost certainly
0: won't, but uh, he, he, he'll try. <laughs> he'll be back he in
1: like two years, no doubt about it. Yeah.
0: Do, do we do uh, we think he might look at doing something like coming in and being a coach afterwards, or do we think that this is out of football, or is it just the physical side of playing football?
2: it'll i'm sure he'll get a lot of calls but i don't think i like i think if he's retiring because of the family stuff or if that's certainly a consideration like being a coach is such a huge dedication of time it's basically equivalent to being a player if that's why he's retiring then maybe not but given his competitive nature he he you know definitely the calls might tempt him eventually but uh, certainly a couple of years off i think at least
1: and i i mean i think it does need to be said these transcendent transcendental talents it often doesn't translate to coaching very well because it's all instinct and it's all just kind of stuff that you, you just can't rationally explain to people. Um, so I don't know how good a coach he actually would be, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's more likely the kind of the, the media career, maybe not the, you know, the Tony Romo commentating week, but maybe something like what the Mannings have at the moment, like, you know, turn up every once in a while and do some things. And I don't think it'll be gone from the NFL, but I, I don't think – yeah I don't think we'll be seeing him as often as we did um, and certainly something as intense as coaching is probably not uh in his wheelhouse. For a while, at least.
2: Honestly, it's it's likely he could end up an owner than a a head coach, in my opinion, or kind of a joint owner or something like that. Could well. Manning's going in that direction. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady's like, well, I'm going to buy a team and be better than Manning at that, too.
0: (laughs) No, of course. Uh, Speaking of uh, coaching, there's a couple of head coaching changes around the league. Denver had hired Green Bay Offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett to be their head coach. Uh, He was kind of a good OC in Green Bay. There's a lot of discussions about whether or not this might be to try and tempt Rodgers to come there, as Rodgers has always banged the table for him and said he's very good. uh, And Denver obviously has have a setup and are just looking to find a quarterback Chicago hired Matt Eberflus the Indianapolis defensive coordinator to be their head coach Um, so look we're looking they had good success with a heavy defense in Indianapolis and they're hoping to get something similar and uh, passing coordinator Luke Getzi is coming in as their offensive coordinator the Giants looked up north in the state and said you know what we want some of what buffalo got so they picked up brian dayball buffalo's offensive coordinator or our head coach uh, obviously they saw him do the business with josh allen and hoping for the same with daniel jones but to be honest let's be frank it's gonna have to be a different quarterback because daniel jones ain't getting fixed and uh vegas have decided that they want to now become like it's a really weird idea to think of like the the, the patriots in Vegas on holiday, but that's kind of what they're trying to go for here. <laughs> so they've picked up Josh McDaniels, him of fuck the Colts and fuck every one of my support staff. Uh, I've decided I don't want this job at the last second. He's going to be their head coach. Hopefully he does the same to the Vegas Raiders now. That'll be pretty funny. Um, they also bring in New England VP player personnel, Dave Ziegler, to be their GM. So, yeah, look, this is McDaniels who didn't have exactly a brilliant stint with Denver beforehand. Uh, backed out of this last contract and so on but Las Vegas are kind of swinging for the fences here wanting to try and get a, a New England style set up but what we will say is we look around the league at all the teams that have tried to set up as New England lights and none of them really uh, set up and the only other one that I'd pop in here is that New Orleans now have an opening as Sean Payton has said he's stepping away as a head coach for the next year or so he might be open to coming back down the road and the New England Saints New Orleans Saints, would still own his rights if he was to come back in so a team would have to trade for him so I of these head coaching hires, what, uh, what, what jumps out to you?
1: Um, well, the Josh McDonald's one is a disaster waiting to happen. Let's, let's just put that out here right now. He's already failed as a head coach and it was a pretty spectacular failure. Um, the the Belichick tree is notorious for being uh, not the most uh, fruit bearing tree in the world. Uh, the, the littered, there are teams, you know, the, the history of teams are littered with the, you know, Matt Patricia's to your Bill O'Brien's, whatever. That the coaches under Belichick are not as good as they are when they're under Belichick because the mastermind is Belichick and you can't recreate that. And all attempts to recreate that have ended in absolute disaster. Vegas is a is a dumpster fire of an organization at the best of times. So this is just, I don't know, this is just it's a terrible, terrible decision. And I would be very surprised if they break 500 in any of the, you probably get two seasons. But uh, yeah, no, I can't see it happening with um, the other ones I mean you can never really tell with people who have not been head coaches if they're going to do it if they can make that step up you know the especially with teams built around you know you your think about your Brian Dayball coming in off a an offense that is built around a superstar—that you know—these are things. Are they replicable? I mean, that is the big question, I guess. Is—is is, you know—is was it Josh Allen? Which I—I I mean, I think if this season had to go by, it is Josh Allen who at an, It was an entire offense. It wasn't like that was a particularly innovative or, or amazing offense. And obviously, its transferability to Daniel Jones is not going to—is unlikely to be. Um, and the other ones, you just can't—you really just can't tell um, if they can make that step up or not. It, It's—you know—some do and some don't. So. But with the, with the three coordinators stepping up, who knows? jay Ball, I'm sceptical about the other two. I'm not unsure. Josh Daniels, I, I just can't see it working. I really can't see how this is going to actually work out.
2: Yeah, like McDaniels, I think that is a dumpster fire waiting to happen, but an entertaining one, most likely. In terms of Nathaniel Hackett, he basically has exactly the same problem as Vic Fangio, which is he doesn't have a solution at quarterback. His record in Green Bay was obviously very successful. Uh, albeit you know, coming up short in the playoffs in the offense. Uh, and his But his record before that as offensive coordinators at Jacksonville and Buffalo is mixed, but it wasn't terrible. Like He had Blake Bortles and Tyrod Taylor as his quarterbacks. Like There's only so much you can do and I think both Blake Bortles and Tyrod had their best years under Hackett um, like the, the playoff year for Bortles and then the playoff year for uh, Tyrod. I think he was OC at that point for them too. Uh, but the quarterback situation is basically the huge gaping hole for Denver, so it'll all come down to what they can do there uh, whether that's getting a big trade or ending up having to have another Teddy year Um, huge difference variance there because we know that's a really talented team and of course the choice of Adam Stefanich bringing him over from Green Bay as well um, big in terms of making sure continuity um, in terms of that scheme Uh, we'll see how it does outside of having you know Rodgers and Devontae Adams how it works then Aberfluge I think is interesting obviously Chicago you know, they've got an identity as a defense-first team, so hiring a defensive coach makes sense, I suppose, culture-wise. Uh, but we do know that in recent years it's kind of been offensive guys who've been the, you know, at the forefront of the NFL, so, you know, a bit of a risk there. Um, but he ha- he created a pretty good defense in Indianapolis, brought up some really good players like Darius Leonard, turned them into a really turnover-heavy like turnover heavy defense, particularly last year, like, you know, and Pino Tillman, b- c- comparisons for Darius Leonard's ability to make those uh, fumbles, so something there. But I think the... the the bringing over some from Green Bay, Luke Getze, who was the passing coordinator, is obviously the huge decision because that is a team that already has their quarterback in Justin Fields. So it'll be really interesting to see what they can put together for him. Uh, it can't really be much worse than what had Matt Nagy, who just seemed to be completely opposed to having a mobile quarterback and using him appropriately. So you know, plenty of room for <laughs> improvement there. Um, but the Giants are. Dayball. Once, once they hired Joe Shane last week as their GM from Buffalo, this was pretty much expected to happen. He obviously gets Daniel Jones. We'll see if he can create a Josh Allen type improvement. I know he can. Look, we know he can. Look, Josh Allen had <laughs> Daniel a Daniel Jones. Josh Allen made huge steps in just terms of his basic mechanics, and obviously, that, Daniel Jones doesn't the same upside by far. Like he is an effective runner, but he isn't like a tank, Josh Allen. Uh, but if he can just improve his like fundamentals, become a reasonable quarterback, then you can see what you have there. Because uh, obviously, no. Daniel Jones isn't going to get a big contract. But the big thing there is that that's a one-year project. If Daniel Jones looks like Daniel Jones again this year, like bad, um, then they'll be able to ditch him. It's a new regime. We can move on. Oh yeah, but uh, that's, but the, that's the the thing. Lack, I think. I think,
0: I think give, if the, if the right if the right QB falls him, I don't think Daniel Jones gets a run it this this season. You know, I think. Yeah. I think they're looking but, for a solution. They'll they'll have that as a fallback option, but I can't see them actually expecting them to reclaim Daniel well, Jones. Here. I think I think with, with
2: with the way the free agency is lining up and there's not much in the draft and the trade price would probably be too high for a team that's like only in year one uh, they're almost certainly going to be having Daniel Jones like maybe not but I think that's most likely maybe they bring in someone like Mitch Trubisky who obviously was in Buffalo last year as a backup to compete in camp but I think Daniel Jones has the inside track and look for Sean Payton it is worth saying obviously this is someone who um, has been at the upper tier of, of, of head coaches over the last uh, like decade um, obviously a huge loss for New Orleans a team which is very much much lacking in identity at quarterbacks, it's three weeks retired, and you know, some talent issues on, on the offense. It's well, really like a
0: he's, he's, sol- he's solving a problem because they can't afford to play Tays- pay Taysom Hill and Sean Payton. And Sean Payton knew you got to pay Taysom Hill, so he's stepping well, away it. to ensure that they can <laughs> afford that giant contract that yeah. he <laughs> straddled them with. And of course, it's weird because he's talking about his stepping away, and the owners
2: are basically said if you come back, please come to us. But obviously, there's lots of rumours that the team like Dallas might
0: Yeah, a Dallas is the or big one that are looking for him. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, we'll
2: it, it, put, it puts them in a weird situation where the, the inside track initially was said to be going to, you know, guys who are already on the staff, Internal, like yeah. uh, Dennis Allen. Uh, but if they come in and they're almost sort pseudo-interim head coach, I'm not really, I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. It seems like a messy situation. But uh, yeah, it's a tough, tough position to go into. But like, they still see more, you know, Together, even in that situation, that Jacksonville, who uh, I'm not, we're not going to talk about the interviews and stuff that are happening right now, but they apparently have been screwing up every single head coach uh, opportunity that they've. Uh, been interested in so far
0: yeah pretty much. we'll fly through a few of the gm moves so chicago hired kansas city assistant director of player personnel ryan poles he's just 36 he's been with kc for 13 seasons a minority candidate which means kansas city will get two compensation picks next uh, draft and the Minnesota hired uh, cleveland vice president of football operations uh Kwasi adolfo mensa uh is an economics grad with wall street experience and then he was with the 49ers for seven years uh, and then also with cleveland Pittsburgh's GM Kevin Colbert's retired after 11 years as a GM and 21 years with the team. Uh, And Baltimore have hired Michigan defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their defensive coordinator. He's a young candidate, but has been with them for kind of a number of years in a variety of roles. Um, So, yeah, like you can see, Chicago looking to bring in some of the people that were able to put together the Chiefs team over the last couple of years, Minnesota, looking at what Cleveland were able to achieve um, in the personnel department, if not maybe <laughs> the results department. Um, and, yeah, you can see how those kind of bits are going. And Pittsburgh, yeah, look, I suppose, you know, there's a bit of there's quite a bit of turnover happening in that organization, so they probably want to just kind of, you know, get it all over with as quickly as they can. Uh, any of these jump out here or will we move on?
2: Well, ju- like Chicago, it, it's fairly simple. You need to put stuff around Justin Fields and see what you have there. Um, so for, from that point of view, it's a, it's a nice opportunity. And I think obviously uh, he's getting at a very young point. So uh, uh, it would be interesting to see what Ryan Poles does there. Minnesota, much tougher um, assignment, I would say, given that's a team that's kind of um, in that kind of awful mid zone where they're good enough to be relevant enough, I suppose, but not good enough to really win a Super Bowl. Uh, we'll be able to see if he decides to be aggressive in changing that roster or decides to give this a, another chance. Uh, and obviously the minute they obviously need to make a choice, and head coach that will probably influence that as well. And look, Pittsburgh, they always seem to have guys who've been there for 40 years or whatever like that before they retire. Just another one there in Kevin Colbert. I'm sure they'll find someone internally to take over that job as well.
0: Yeah. Um, in terms of injuries of playoff relevant stuff as we're coming in towards the Super Bowl obviously we'll go through uh, an in-depth uh, injury list for the Pro Bowl as well but for, for now for the Super Bowl <laughs> relevant ones Cincinnati tight end CJ Azumu has an MCL strain he's not ruled out for the Super Bowl yet it came after what a horrible looking hit to the side of the leg and uh, Rams tight end Tyler Higby has injured his knee and is also not ruled out for the Super Bowl yet but obviously we won't need to have a final decision made on that for about 10 days time anyway so uh, we'll, we'll fill you in on those and um, just two other kind of bits of news so Philadelphia guard Brandon Brooks has retired after nine seasons. He was in Houston for four uh, then had, became a three-time Pro Bowler with Philly including winning that Super Bowl 51 and um, the other big quarterback, Big Ben, is retired after 18 seasons. Probably two or three seasons too late. He was a two-time Super Bowl winner. Six Pro Bowls finishes with over 64,000 yards passing and uh, 418 touchdowns to 211 interceptions. Uh, so yeah, he's gone now as well. So all change in uh, Pittsburgh. I think we mentioned briefly a bit of the the kind of saccharin retirement speechy mm. shite that they were giving in the wild card round uh, for the second half of it. So, uh, bye, Big Ben. You're a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah and his hostage. You, bi-
2: his, his, his like retirement video looked like he was like a hostage situation or something like that. But yeah, like <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that Tom Brady is going to completely overshadow not only his retirement <laughs> but also his Hall of Fame induction because he probably will be a first. Uh, ballot hall yeah of probably as well, but no one will give a fuck because tom brady's gonna be like i don't know what the the next level above first ballot Fame, but they'll probably have to create it for tom brady
0: maybe that was it maybe maybe like the nfl just really got got in together in a shadow cabal and convinced uh tom to retire now so that it would overshadow it so they wouldn't have to deal with like five years down the line the old big ben controversy stuff rearing its head again by just having something else they would focus on on that pro, uh that that uh, hall of fame induction that'd be interesting Um, Okay, and on that lovely note, we'll go and look at the games from last week. Oh, yay. Up first, Cincinnati at Kansas City, 27-24 to 24 in <laughs> overtime. Uh, McPherson kicks 4-4, four four, uh, including a 31-yard overtime winner as uh, Joe Burrow and the boys claw back from a big first-half deficit. Burrow went for 252 touchdowns and an interception. Um, with Higgins going for over 100, Mixon going over 100, and Chase, 54 in a touchdown. Uh, the Kansas City defense, you know, didn't do too much, but, you know, we're, we're there causing some issues. Particularly in the first half, they were quite good, and then it all kind of went with Pete in the second half they had an interception a sack and three tackles for the loss Mahomes was pretty much perfect in the first half and then just completely shit the bed in the second half he uh, finished the day with 275 three touchdowns and two interceptions um, it was going so well for them they were up 21-3 to three, uh, and then just particularly the last couple of plays in the first half, were just where you started to see a turnaround of, they made two very bad decisions and ended up taking no points away at the end of the of the first half, and then just came out and were unable to get anything going uh, at all against this Bengals defense, who seemed to adjust while the Chiefs just didn't. Uh, the Bengals went into I think about was it about 70 percent of their second half snaps they were dropping eight men into coverage, and for some reason. Uh, the Chiefs just decided. Do you know what? This is with three men, <laughs> with three men down the middle. Uh, this is the perfect time to start passing instead of running on them. Um, and I honest, honestly, just do not understand it. Then the second half, 34 yards and two interceptions on five drives. They scored a field goal out of whatever it was, seven dri- on five drives. It was horrendous stuff. And yeah, I just. I don't understand the play calling that they went into. I went back and looked at some of it, and you can see there's a lot of RPOs where basically just Mahomes makes the wrong decision and keeps holding it and taking bad long sacks instead of throwing it away or running for short gain or just throwing the ball away full stop. Like it was, uh, it was a complete collapse in the second half and it's on Mahomes, which a lot of people don't like hearing, but it's definitely on Mahomes. It's on the coaching staff. I like I don't really put this loss on the defense because the defence did most of their job. Like this Bengals team, even in their comeback, were mostly being forced to field goals here. So like if you if you have this historic a collapse on offense and there's plenty of tape out there showing where Mahomes just missed open receivers and just made the wrong decisions and took sacks he didn't need to take, like I don't know what it is because it's not a you know it's not a fire the coaching staff it's not a we need to move on from any of these guys things specifically but it is there's something wrong in a spot where you can see everything going wrong and there's relatively straightforward solutions and. So for some reason, you just can't get them into place. Run the fucking ball, Andy. It's been a problem of yours for years. Time management, been a problem for years. Things that you kind of had fixed and then you don't have fixed anymore. Why did you draft a first round running back who was getting about six yards of carry if you're just going to not run the fucking ball in the second half when you're already up two scores? Like, I just... It, the collapse was very infuriating uh, but i must say i am happy for the bengal's you know it's been a long road for them to get here and quite excited to see this young talented group kind of going into the super bowl but yeah this was uh this was a not quite falcons level but like up that kind of echelon collapse from the chiefs in the second half
1: yeah i mean one of the stranger Comebacks in memory, because you think about all the kind of great playoff comebacks in Brady against the Falcons, Manning against the Pats, the, the Colts against the Chiefs in recent time, either at the time you could see it, it could happen, you could never count down Brady or Manning, whatever, or in retrospect, you can understand why it happened. But here we had a situation where the team that was the favorite got out to a big lead and then just stopped playing for some reason. Uh, and allowed an inexperienced team who were in their first AFC Championship game looked very much blinded by the lights, very much just too too soon for them. And you give them a clap on the back and say, "Come back next year. You're going to be. This is going to stand to you as experience." Like the narrative was all in place for this to be. Did the Bengals do so well? But ultimately came up against a better team, and somehow the Chiefs just kind of let them win. That somehow we had a situation where Andy Reid and his team got outcoached by Zach Taylor. Um, and, you know, it was just it. it's it's a bizarre one. All right. The Mahomes wasn't. I mean, the, the Mahomes thing is, is a very strange thing. He seemed to lose the, the most confident player in the world, just in terms of the know the stuff he can do and knowing the things that he can do suddenly just shits the bed constantly for two quarters uh, and makes the most kind of basic elementary errors. Um, it was. It's It's very hard to kind of get into the head about why that happened. I mean, there were some adjustments that you can point to. The Bengals kind of figured out the passing game in the second half. They understood that, you know, get the underneath throws and the yards after the carry. You can get things going. They adjusted on the other side of the ball to make it a little bit more hard for the the KC offense to get to go anywhere. There was bounces of the ball in the, in the Bengals favor. I mean, literally the uh, overtime interception was a, a favorable bounce of the ball, but I mean, that happens in every game you can, you can get there. Um, it's yeah. I just, it's very hard for, to, to pin down exactly what happened here. Other than the chiefs, I mean, it's so weird. This is a team that's been to two Super Bowls. This is a team that has been dominant for the past four years. This is not the team you should be expecting to have a collapse uh, in this kind of situation against this team. Um, Yeah, it's very hard to explain it. Congrats to the Bengals. I mean, it's been an amazing run um, that they've, they've gone from being a team that, you know, week 13 and week 14 looked like they might finish bottom of the division to suddenly going to a super bowl they've just they kept at it they've got an amazing kicker that they found out of nowhere i mean joe burrow i hope this is the first of many super bowls for him jamar chase I'm one of the first of many super bowls for him they've got a defense which is rickety at times i mean eli apple had his one of his eli, eli apple games but even that still wasn't enough for the mangoes to, to to fall to bits but yeah i mean Happy for the Bengals, but Jesus Christ, what happened with the Chiefs? There's got to be a real kind of postseason, you know, uh, you know, p- picking over the embers and trying to figure out what the hell went wrong because this this can never happen again because the, the Chiefs can never let this happen again. They got to figure out what went wrong and fix it because this was this was just a train wreck oh, uh, yeah. once it started to go badly. It,
0: it very much felt a bit like the Super Bowl last year where once once something was changed and they just didn't adjust and it just which is weird as I think I was texting you guys at the time saying like normally what we're very good at is adjusting we're more we're more used to like going down three scores adjusting and then coming back at teams uh, and th- this just was was very strange to me particularly given that like when you look at the tape it was a very simple solution of if they're gonna fucking hide eight men in coverage then run at them you're averaging five yards a carry plus like you know you weren't having a problem on the ground why not just use that for a while um, um, like again, you draft a fucking first round running back and you've got Jarek McKinnon, who's playing really well, and you've got other smaller like way down rookies like and stuff that are playing well. like why they didn't just do anything that would 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 soften this i don't I don't understand, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it was pretty inexplicable. I think you, you're completely right. Like Even when they did run the ball in the second half, it was still working. They were getting four yards, six yards, seven yards type chunks um, with the very limited times that they actually tried it. So it didn't make sense in based on what they were seeing on the field. I think it was only literally on the last drive when they ran a bit, um, when they were trying to catch up, that they had but, but, a little but, bit of a what, issue. What was interesting on so, it is
0: the only times they ran in the second half, I think until the last drive was, first, was the first down, they never ran on second or third.
2: Yeah, but they were getting enough in those first like draw like first downs that they could run it again. Like they were in decent percent yards distance and I think also you also saw that you know as things tensed up and it definitely just felt like this team tightened up after that screw up at the end of the first half that Pat Mahomes was like trying to make up for what is in the grand scheme of things should have been a relatively minor footnote in an absolute blowout um, but that he ended up focusing way too much on Hill and Kelsey like those two guys just kept getting fed and the secondary guys that basically you know still had some opportunities even with the eight guys in coverage um, he just didn't trust them. And, like, to be fair, like, they're obviously going to drop the ball more. They're not as reliable. But if you're not willing to give it to anyone else except for Kelsey and Hill, then that makes the job of the defense. Uh, so much easier and I would say the one adjustment beyond the dropping the extra guy into coverage I think is that in the second half the refs in this game were playing it very very loose um, not calling very much of anything except it was very very blatant and I think you know, in the first half um, the Chiefs were kind of playing that from the start there was a touchdown um, that Higgins could have had that he, that was probably PI uh, with that arm being dragged back but in the second half it definitely felt that like this the Cincinnati Bengals were like well if they're not going to call PI or holding we're just going to be as equally aggressive as the other guys and i think that definitely had an effect in terms of guys like hill getting the kind of wide space like guys were off the turn were just grabbing them i think oh unsurprisingly the first guy you seem to get the memo was mike hilton the former Steeler. so he's like yeah just like i'm a former Steeler, i'm just gonna fucking bow hold and do pi as much as i want and the rest of the guys caught on pretty quickly so you know the refs definitely had an influence in terms of what the kind of game that we had and it probably didn't end up in the long run being in favor of the chiefs even if they got you know some of the favor of that in the first half I think for the for the um, for the Bengals, like I think the big thing was like you know Jamar Chase, like the Chiefs. You know, basically, were willing to give two people exclusively to stopping chase, and for most of this game, they did a good job. They gave him the touchdown, but they you were know, six for 54 for Jamar Chase's. You know, pretty pretty nothing. Like even that game against Tennessee, where you know Cincinnati were getting the kick, kick, kick out of them, he had over 100 yards. So like that's going to work, and we'll, when we get to the Super Bowl, it'll be interesting to see what the Rams do about that. Uh, but you know, the important thing is that we know there are other weapons on this Bengals offense. We saw Joe Mixon step up. He had a few big runs in the comeback that were really important to make sure that you know the Chiefs defense which uh, wasn't playing aggressive was just kept on it um, in that second half when they might have been more willing to go aggressive as obviously with the lead um and the more obvious passing situations and t higgins really stepped up we know T. Higgins is a really talented player um we knew that like last year and we've seen like sparks of that this year he's been really good and he ended up being um the complementary piece who broke out we know that's the big thing about this Bengals offense you know jamar chase obviously is the superstar um and obviously joe burrow if he's given even a sniff of like him getting one-on-one coverage like he got in that last touchdown and um, when he threw it twice it's like i'm just gonna give it to Jamar chase no matter what um he was uh, willing to spread around to Higgins and to a lesser extent, uh, Tyler Boyd um, in those key situations. So Higgins is really the star there. And I think that's the other thing. I think like, you know, that these Bengals receivers, especially Chase, um, in those key situations, you know, with the grabbiness and the the rest playing it very loose, those guys seemed a lot more comfortable with just getting, you know, having, getting, you know, basically fighting back and getting involved in a challenge. I think Chase is one of the best in the league, like alongside people like DeAndre Hopkins. That in contested catches, he just is not going to take any shit, and he can take it one for one with any defensive back in the league. And that ended up being just a key facet of his game that was really important in this game, just the way it was being called. Um, so for the Cincinnati Bengals, like, look, they should never have won this game. Can't the city had it in the bag as you said there were simple um things that they could have changed i think a defense they mostly had the right plan um uh, you know i don't think i don't think the defense like screwed up but just kind of get put in bad situations by the the offense kind of putting them out again and again and again too quickly um uh but on the offense yeah just obvious adjustments that weren't made obvious mistakes that were made at the end of the first half and yeah it just felt like a team that you know It had almost been too easy, and then things got tough, and then suddenly, you know, the the kind of mental preparedness that you obviously have before the game just they weren't able to get that back but yeah just inexplicable really overall uh, but fair play for the Bengals I think the big thing about them is that they don't they don't seem like a fragile team at all they seem like a team who keeps playing no matter what they're well like the you know well coached but Joe Burrow is kind of their totem like Joe Burrow never looks worried never looks concerned he just keeps going he keeps playing you know he makes the subtle adjustments but it's a team that you know they got a lot of fight they've been in tough situations all throughout the season and yeah it stood well to them in this game when the Chiefs kind of blew up uh, themselves
0: yeah and then on the NFC side San Francisco took on the LA Rams uh, 17 to 20 in what was a Quite mistake-prone, bit of a slugfest. Uh, the Rams survived mistakes, red zone interception, uh, near interception, drops, missed field goals, everything uh, to overturn. Like they were 17 to seven down in the fourth quarter, as Stafford was able to kind of show the reason that they wanted to bring him in and why they needed him instead of who they had beforehand. 337 yards, two touchdowns, interception. He kind of finds Cup for a couple of top end scores, 142 and two touchdowns for him. He had a hell of a game. And Odell Beckham Jr. stepping up and showing his value, uh, 113 yards. Um really really making the case for that whole like just get me the fuck out of the Browns, it's not my fault. Um <laughs> but yeah, like you know, again there's still mistakes, red zone interception, like Dilly Tart nearly had an interception as well. Jimmy G looked kind of like we kind of thought he was going to here. Two hundred and thirty two, two touchdowns in the interception. He was relatively clean until he just started making mistakes at the tail end and the LA Rams steel offensive line, started really getting the pressure onto them. Like it was it was interesting because I would have expected significantly more run plays in this, given that both teams tend to like, you know, run through the running backs, particularly San Francisco. But the Rams more so lately have been getting more production out of that. And both run games in this didn't really go anywhere. About about three yards a carry, I think uh, each. But yeah, like it was i I won't lie like it's it's a good win it's good to see the Rams get there and they did it with you know kind of some some so some, some good performances from their offense and their defense, but I wouldn't really look at either of these teams and be overly terrified of them like they are good and they all have kind of strong superstar player elements on it, but like it didn't it nothing in this game blew me away like I was sitting there towards the end of the first half looking at it as it was still. I was thinking it was still nil nil so maybe early in the second quarter and just kind of going right this is you know decent defense but this is just sloppy
2: it kind of ended up being like what we thought last week in the previews which was you know the rams were objectively the better team in this game like they deserved to win based on what they did in this game compared to the other side but they just seemed to be you know put out by the the san francisco hoodoo and it's only really in the second half of the fourth quarter that suddenly it, it became obvious to themselves as well as to everyone else that they were the better team and they deserved to win. And you know the last like like last stands of this game, they basically completely dominated. Uh, but for the first half, it's just key mistakes um, were just huge. Like I think you know they had like a like a five and a half minute drive. They got into the red zone. They throw an interception as as as, as Stafford tried to force into very tight coverage or cup which to be fair given what cup has done this year isn't that bad an idea but just the the, the the bounce went the wrong way they got they gave away the ball and they just felt like oh no here we go again and that kind of felt like where they were going and the the only touchdown that they had in the first um in the first half was a very systematic like oh nearly 10 minutes drive like that's really really unprecedented for this team this is a team that's usually relied on like cup bombs but i think it was interesting to see them almost go within themselves, you know, take a deep breath, do it that way and kind of steady the ship. Um, But even when they get, even when they did that, like, San Francisco, who basically did nothing for the first quarter of this game, um, they struck back with a really relatively fast touchdown, um, which basically just came off Debo Samuel being an amazing player who does ridiculous things, and like he truly has been absolutely untouchable, um, in this season, except perhaps for Cooper Cup. Like those two guys are just been ridiculous this year, and they both were, you know, more than worth their their weight in gold in this game as well, um, with that tunnel screen uh, touchdown for for Debo and other plays he made. Um, and then you know the the last bit of the first half is that like the Rams. Do okay, they set up their own field goal, they miss it and then with the short field, the San Francisco 49ers get their own field goal. So you go in 10-7 and then San Francisco get the uh, their own, the, the, the next touchdown, 77 up after a like, fourth down failure from Tom McVay where he was just terrible in all aspects, terrible in play calling, ter- terrible in mo- time management I think he had a really stupid um, uh, like red flag challenge as well, just like in terms of like game management, very bad from McVay in this game, but it just kind of felt like you know, Even though you could see, objectively, the Rams, they're the better team, they're, they're, they're making more plays, they have the ball for longer, and their defense, while underperforming, still has all of these studs, uh, is better. Um, only in that fourth quarter did you see them come together um, on both sides of the ball, really, uh, in a kind of in their traditional sense. Cooper Cup started getting open. OBJ, um, who would kind of been uh, ignored a little bit early on, but like I think Matt Stafford realized that he was getting really, really, really uh, like soft coverage from bad DBs, and he just like fed him, got him over a hundred yards as well. And you know they also were able to just on the defense in particular, just when when the game got tightened up, when it went tied, like basically the the, the San Francisco 49 got wiped from the map because Jimmy G. He is the ultimate system QB. When he's in the system and he's able to do those like uh, throws over the middle for in routes and stuff, he looks more than capable as a starting quarterback. But. The second you flush him out of the out of the pocket, he looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He had two near touch to interception touchdowns for Jalen Ramsey uh, near the back end of this game. Every time he rolls out of the pocket, he looks like he's going to throw an interception. He just is really dumb at that. And you know, uh, and it's so always it came to be on the final game where he got flushed out of the pocket through a like like understandable ball off his back, uh, a back foot um, to the running back, but over his head, then went for the interception to close out this game. And you know, I think. We know who Jimmy G is, but I think Matt Stafford, like, look, key mistake with the red zone interception threw an awful ball that should have been intercepted by Joukiski Tart that could have turned this game. Uh, but to be fair, in the clutch moments, in terms of his overall performance, I, it wasn't quite last week where he was really dominant and, and was the reason that the Rams beat the Bucs. But he was still really effective. He didn't have a meltdown. He still kept it together and he was obviously playing a bit hurt, which definitely hadn't affected him on that near interception late. Uh, but he, he is the difference. Like Jared Goff probably would have lost this game. So if the only objective this year was to trade for a guy who could win you the Super Bowl, well, you're one step close to that being the truth Um, and overall like Matt Stafford you know it hasn't always been pretty but he has been the difference and you know it's hard not to uh, begrudge him the opportunity to finally have a bit of success after all those years he gave to Detroit.
1: Yeah I think I might be of the three of us the only one to really come away impressed by the Rams. I mean the the sounds of you guys weren't overly impressed. I thought this was a, a very... Very impressive win, given the, the situation they were in, given what the Niners had done. I mean, you have to realize this is a Niners team that had beaten two very dynamic offenses in the playoffs already, the Cowboys and the Packers, and they'd beaten them in exactly these kinds of games where the defense had gotten the other side. It's You drag them down into the dirt, fight them on every play, you know, constant. You know, constantly stifle the run game, force them to, to, to you know, march down the field continually. Don't give them a moment's kind of breathing space and the the Niners is, and then wait for the moment in like the third quarter, whatever, when your offense begins to click, when Shanahan's 24 play plan starts to come together and Devil and starts to do his things. And that kind of dude, that looming sense of doom that, I, that I'm pretty sure that the Cowboys got in the third quarter in their game and the Packers got in their game where this team is just not going away and they're scoring points. And, and oh, my God, they're in the lead. And suddenly you're running out of time. And, and what are we going to do? And suddenly the game is over and you've lost. That's what the Niners have been doing to teams in this playoffs. And the Rams they were 70 to 7 down. The game should have been, on a psychological level, lost. This Rams team is supposed to be flat track bullies who are capable of beating up bad teams but aren't when the chips are down, don't have the mental fortitude to push it through. And the same thing is what happened last week. Last week, they should have lost that game because that was a a Brady comeback and the team is supposed to crumble psychologically and and Brady's supposed to walk it down the field at the end and and get the the winning play and it should be over. But instead, the Rams, it was Matt Stafford who stepped up with a big throw last week to get things going, get them down the field to get that field goal to win. And this time as well, the Rams were down by 10 points in a shitty situation against a team that's been giving nothing to anybody in the playoffs, and they fought through and they got it done. And the big difference was with the big players on the Rams executed and got the big plays when they were needed, which the Cowboys and the Packers never did. Stafford was reliable, getting the ball down the field when was required. Cooper Cup caught so many third-down balls. I think it was like, like eight or something, third-down catches he got. He was always the go-to guy on third-down, and he always converted to first-down. First Aaron Donald stepped up with a massive pressure to force the Jimmy G interception to win the game at the end. Okay, they got lucky. Things like Jaskowski-Tarts dropped interception will, will probably haunt him um, forever. But they fought through it. And this is a team that shouldn't be able to do this, given the narrative of what the Rams have been this season. And yet they've done it twice in a row now. And I really think it's going to be very hard for the, the Bengals to stop them in the Super Bowl. Because this team is now convinced that this is their year. And they've convinced themselves. They fought through two very tough situations where they should have lost. Uh, and they got through it. And they, they it's the baptism of fire situation. This Rams team, they've got all the right pieces in all the right places. They're all clicking. And the important thing is they're executing in the big games when it matters. So it may not have looked very pretty on the field, but that's the way the 49ers defense is set up. It's set up to make the game as ugly as possible so that J- Jimmy G just has to score 17 points to win the game or whatever. Um, but the Rams wouldn't let them. They wouldn't. They wouldn't let themselves be 49 ers in the way that the Cowboys and Packers were. They stepped up and got things done, and I think as a result, they they one hundred percent deserve their shot at the Super Bowl. And I think they're going to be very hard to stop if they keep if they keep that up uh, the way they've been playing.
2: Yeah, I think it is worth saying. Like Stafford, obviously, there were some key mistakes, which seems to be the Stafford thing. But that defensive line from San Francisco was putting him on an intense amount of pressure. They were getting to him a lot. They had like nine QB hits, although only two of those turned into sacks. So like what Stafford's been doing in recent weeks has been really, really impressive. He has really you know, turned certainly my opinion around uh, compared to where he was like a month or so ago. Um, So yeah, you have to be very impressed with that. As for the rest of the team, I'm not quite sure if they're quite as resilient as they they might like to prefer. uh, but look, you know, as you say, they're doing it when it matters. That's a huge, you know, Phillip uh, in terms of winning playoff games and winning the biggest games of all. But uh, I, you know, it'll be in, like we obviously Super Bowl two weeks away. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, but I think it's really interesting contrast between the kind of cool, never bothered Cincinnati Bengals and then the Rams. You know, brittle, some, sometimes brittle, sometimes brilliant. You know, recent resiliency It'd be really interesting to see that kind of matchup and talk about that. But I, hey, that's for next week. For now, we got the really important game, right, Connor?
0: Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> now we gotta go and look at the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl Pro hype. hype. Okay, so uh, we'll take a quick look at the Pro Bowl here. Um, obviously, we'll we'll do a separate four-hour-long Pro Bowl special. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll just do a quick uh, quick quick overview of it at the moment. Uh, we've all gone for the AFC this year. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's just interesting. Better, we normally have a little team. bit more split, but yeah. Um, particularly, well, then what we're going to do is we're going to go on who the starters are meant to be because we also know that a few people are dropping out and some people can't make it because they're just intimidated by the competition that they're not ready for. Yeah. It. Um, exactly. So let's let's go through the AFC and then we'll go through the NFC and we're going to see where 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 we agree where we think there's other players that should be in there. Uh, start up at the top quarterback for the AFC, Justin Herbert. Uh, I disagree with this. <laughs>
2: Well, like there's there's so many options in the UFC. Like like Joe Burrow had a really good season, especially at the end. Yeah, depends how much you like. This was a the Pro Bowls obviously voted during the regular season, so it's a little bit unfair. But like yeah, like Joe Burrow's worth it. Like Patrick Mahomes, obviously little not his best year, but still like an epic year because it's Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen had a bit of a you know mid-season slump but that was amazing yeah. and yeah but I think Justin Herbert like over the course of the year I think considering how to fight the fact that he's on the chargers as, a, as a, just as an entity um, I think I'm willing to give it to him like Joe Burrow he's going to the Super Bowl I don't think he needs that. I else, think oh, Joe
0: Burrow uh-huh. would rather be in the Pro Bowl everyone would rather be in the Pro Bowl <laughs> Well, um, yeah, that's true. and like what you want in the Pro Bowl is you want big playability and jo- look like, yes Justin yeah. Herbert did the most yardage in the AFC uh, Joe Burrow was almost one and a half yards more per attempt he's more explosive more exciting player here uh he also like you know he was 400 yards behind him on over 150 less attempts so i think joe burrow definitely had better better the two seasons there um i just 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 on those types of metrics but no like i like herbert is very good He's, he'll do well i think. i just think burrow got badly denied particularly given that jamar chase makes it into this list so it was definitely you know there was enough. There was enough interest or visibility of them being good at the time that Jamar Chase was able to get in, even though he had a it, mid-season it, it, slump. It, it, so
2: it's the like the Pro Bowl. Like they they officially announced like was it was in early December. So given mm-hmm. what Burrow done in the last few weeks, obviously that would have changed people's opinions probably. But uh, given yeah. what people had voted on up to then, uh, Herbert was a real full yeah. uh, Fullback Patrick Ricard. What happened with that? yeah it's Grant. Yeah. he plays both both sides occasionally so that's pretty fancy
0: yeah and Jonathan Taylor for the running back I kind of yeah. it kind of just has to be like he was he was even though they kind of fell down off the stretch like that was the engine of that Indianapolis team yeah, like the yeah. untouchable yeah. yeah our wide receiver pair are Tyree Kill and Jamar Chase so we've got you know good kind of big body <laughs> possession receiver and a speedster no, no slot
1: receivers nothing 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 in between is going to be 40 <laughs> yard bombs or nothing yeah, yeah. right. Yeah,
2: like it, it was an interesting year for Tyreek Hill overall, like uh, very much changed in how he operated in the Kansas City defense uh, offense and obviously good yards. And like, I think if there had been another kind of chase, maybe he wouldn't have made it. But uh, none of the other big names in the AFC really, really stepped up this year, like Stefan Diggs and A.G. Brown for various reasons, weren't really there. And yeah, I think mm. Hill and Chase objectively probably the two best.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, like, who else is knocking around. There's not really anyone else, is there? Because uh, yeah. Yeah, all the other ones I can think of are in the NFC, actually, so yeah. um, and Then on the tight end, they went with Mark Andrews. I would have gone with Kelsey myself, just because I think he brings a little bit more to the table. And I think Andrews kind of feeds on the fact that literally no one else has ever thrown to in that offense. Uh, and he still had a fair whack of drops and stuff in him. But he was a very good, and he got a lot of volume. So I, I'd be happy with either one, just, Yeah. More that he tends to run deep over the middle, and if we've got Jamar Chase and Tyree Hill, I think Kelsey's <laughs> skill set probably plays better on that offense.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're talking about rewarding players for having a good season, I think Mark Andrews had a better season than with Kelsey would be my logic behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he's always reliable for those you know for, for when nothing else is working. Throw to Mark Andrews plays, um, which I imagine when you're having Hill and Chase as your wide receivers, you're gonna need a lot of those plays to get going. But I could see the I could see the argument for Kelsey, but I think Andrews had the better season.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. Um, okay, we're then at our line. Orlando Brown Jr., Quentin Nelson, Joel Batonio, Corey Lindley. Um, and Rashawn Slater. And Rashawn Slater. Yeah, sorry, I missed one of them there. Yeah, so that's so that's our line there. Um, so you guys particularly want to have a look at changing the centre. Uh, Sean, you were thinking David Andrews. Roland. you were thinking Creed Humphries. I was thinking Creed Humphries as well, but I didn't want to just put down another Chiefs player because I thought it looked a little bit biased, but yeah. <laughs> um yeah i'd probably i would probably side with creed humphries he did have a fantastic season particularly for 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 a rookie but overall that's a pretty nice looking line
1: yeah i mean i've gone for andrews because i mean it's a little bit of a hometown pick i mean he's he's the path center he's had a a a really big job this season you're protecting a rookie quarterback the run game is kind of you know he's had to kind of lead the line in terms of getting a run game going um and i mean sit, apparently statistically this is the one thing I, I did read was statistically he's had a better season according to pff um than either lindsley uh, or whoever the other guy was his name i can't imagine remember um, at the moment um and he's also a, a, a recognition of one of those kind of under the radar things of why it's as important to re-sign players from free agency as to sign new players because andrews was a, a re-sign and he's been a very important part of it so i wanted to give him props for you know having a very good year and what could have been a very difficult situation, um, but ended up being a very important kind of part of that Pats offense when it got going in the middle of the season.
2: Yeah, like a Creed Humphrey came in as a rookie and looks like uh, someone who's been doing this for years on an offensive line that was going through a lot of transition. He looked good from the start. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. obviously came in and did similar. Um, and yeah, they've changed the identity of the, like that offensive line. They're very much very, as good at run blocking, if not better run blocking um, and that, that a than a pass uh, blocking these days. Uh he <coughs> maybe should've remembered that in the second half. But uh yeah, like overall the hard to argue with any of these. Like Quint Nelson probably had a down year here by his standards, but he is still like
0: you know, the best guard in the league, so we we're, were willing to just put him in there anyway. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the defence. Um <clears> at <throat> I- End we have Miles Garrett, Max Crosby, and then at the tackles, DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones. So, Miles Garrett, I think we all pretty happy with Max Crosby. Uh, you see us maybe bringing in Trey Hendrickson there, Ronan. Um, then at the tackle position, we're all happy with Chris Jones, and DeForest Buckner, we're looking at swapping it out for Cam Hayward, essentially.
2: Yeah, like Hendrickson and Crosby are both your kind of uh, hard hat, lunch pail, blue collar type of defensive ends who uh, never stop playing till, till till you know till the play is over. And mm. I think Hendrickson overall was like he had a few more sacks. Um, he obviously was on a more successful team, um, and obviously came in as a free agent and, and uh, had an instant impact. So I think, for given where they were, I'm willing to give them a bit of uh, credit there. And Cam Hayward, like I think th- we actually reversed this last year, where um, they put in Hayward and kept that Buckner. But I think this year Hayward, um, even by his good, even by his standards, he's a, he's a eternal Pro Bowl type player. He mm. had a really, really good season. Um, had a lot of uh, sacks as well as his usual dominance in the run game so yeah hard hard not to pick against but the forest is obviously a great player um just compared to, to ham hayward uh, wasn't quite there yeah if i can
1: just make the case for max crosby i think he's had the best season he's i think he's a dominant season in what is in the rest he's the entirety of the raiders defense sometimes yeah. especially in that playoff game against the Bengals. Um i think in terms of valuable value to a team crosby i think edges out hendrickson in terms of that um, and I, I just, I think, it, you know, he's had a really good season. I think that should be, uh, you know, acknowledged.
0: No, no, he is. he's definitely earned his spot there. At the linebacker position, we have TJ Watt and Joey Bosa on the outside with Darius Leonard on the uh, middle linebacker position. Um, I think, Sean, you suggested Matt Judon for one of the outside linebackers. I see where you're coming from. I think like the, the, the slowdown in the last couple of weeks in the season is kind of what would keep me from selecting him there. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, another kind of hometown pick. He's been the kind of explosive uh, Pats pass rusher, etc. Um, in that kind of seven-game win streak, which the Pats, you know, built their entire season around, he was the guy. But yeah, he did kind of drop off a bit near the end. Um, but yeah, that this one is more than more than any of the other ones. This is a bit of a sentimental. I just want to, you know, good job, Matt Judon. You you brought our defense back to. Back to scary uh, levels again, Uh, and uh, I'm very happy that you came to join the Pats.
0: Cool, and then when we look at the defensive backs, so we have JC Jackson and Xavier Howard playing at cornerback. Our free safety is Kevin Byard, and our strong safety is Derwin James. Um, So we've got a few alterations suggested here. Denzel Ward possibly coming in one of the cornerback slots. And Derwin James uh being removed in favour of either Tyrion Matthew or Jordan Poyer. Uh, but yeah, it shows that there's quite a lot of talent uh knocking around the FC at this type of position. I suppose it depends on what they what they want to structurally do, and I know the Pro Bowl is historically less about defenses, uh, but you know, it's still the still, still the best of the best here. So you gotta you gotta pick them pick them just right, you know.
2: Like look, let's be fair to Derwin James, he is a really, really and um, if he played the entire season he, he, I probably would have picked him but it just felt like he was out a couple of games um, I think he only missed one game officially but he just wasn't playing as many and you could tell the difference but I think you know if you're talking about consistently being there and making plays I think like Tyron Matthew obviously a home run pick for, for Kansas City he's obviously changed that defense since he went there and Jordan Poyer I'm just giving more credit to that tandem of safeties they have in Buffalo I think that was the engine of that defense and why they had such a good defense this year
1: Yeah, Denzel Ward I mean stats dominance he's you know he's it looks um, uh, on the actual screen. So um, I mean, you're right, though. There are. I mean, this is one of those just kind of pick your favorite kind of thing. Um there's just so much talent uh, at this side of the this side of this side of the NFL at uh, these kind of positions. But uh, yeah, uh, I just saving Howard. Whatever. I mean, the Dolphins. I don't really care about them. So you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, pick someone else.
0: So uh, our special teams kicker is Justin Tucker, punter is AJ Cole, special teamer is uh, Slater, and our returner is Devin Duvernay. Um, yeah, like look, I don't like him, but you gotta you gotta gotta give it to him. Tucker has to be the kicker, um, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he
2: he broke the record. Like, Although this uh, this Bengals
0: kicker is making a, a it did, good it, play it, it, for, it, it did uh, it know. did make me briefly consider putting him in there. Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> broke the record for longest kick yeah, in okay. a to win a game
2: I, like i don't like even if he was like only average and everything else i think you would have to give just for that yeah, no. come on. i mean I, I, you have to say
0: that come on yeah <laughs> um and uh you suggested ray ray McLeod as a returner fits
2: yeah i think statistically he, he was a bit better um perhaps didn't have as many like uh, i suppose uh, show real games but he was just very very effective by the stats so uh, i went for that for ray for for ray ray
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's take a look over then at the NFC side. Uh, so quarterback, they have Rodgers. Uh, we all disagree, and we put Brady in there, right? Uh, to be honest, Rodgers had a better kind of general season at times, but he was really shitty the last time we saw him. And he's also a terrible person, and none of us like him anymore. So that's probably good. Um, I have I have been liking though the new nickname I've seen he's been given online. Uh, he's now called Throw Rogan, which uh, is pretty good. <laughs> That is good. Look, yeah. t- t-
2: Tom Brady. We, we just we just uh, talked about how great he is, but he was really really good this year. And yeah, I suppose, you know, it's easier to root for Tom Brady uh, at all aspects now. So why not give him the Pro Bowl as well and the MVP and just everything? Come on, one last time.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I I mean I do think it is hard. I mean Rodgers does he does a lot of very good things and he does you know kind of rack up the scores and the points and the stats and stuff. But Brady, I mean, forty four years old to have the season he had. Come on. Him, give him some uh, more than he's
2: already had. Uh, yeah, but uh, either, I, either I mean, they're
1: very, close, they're very close. Yeah. Where
2: will I find room for the AFQ Pro Bowl quarterback slot among all,
0: all the other trophies I have? No, <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's probably got a little bit of space given he got turfed out there last round in uh, this year's one. But yeah, uh, fullback, we've gone with Kyle Yuschek. Yeah, probably just has to be yeah. Kyle Yuschek. Running back Dalvin Cook. Uh, yeah, I'd stick with Dalvin Cook. You want James Conner? Uh, yeah, mostly it's
1: just mostly
0: it is just a troll. You. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, was I know was how much from. you hate him.
2: But uh, to
1: this... be fair to him, he has had an excellent season and he's been a very big part of what was a very dynamic Cardinals offense. And when he got injured, that was when their problems began. I think he's really stepped up this year from where he was at the Steelers to be at like maybe not quite elite, but definitely in the tier just below elite in terms of running backs and in terms of value to his team this season he's really gone up in my estimation
0: yeah like i was trying to think is there anyone else who would really push in there like i says, like gibson is close in yardage but he's not quite as like no he kamara, he, kamara, kamara but kamara he was injured the, like
2: yeah like i think delvin cook's the only one who played for nearly all the season and who looked really effective i think he easy probably yeah it's hard to pick against him basically
0: yeah, yeah. Um, okay, next up then we have our uh, wide receivers. So here they've gone for Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. And uh, it's a really surprising thing because Devontae Adams was excellent this year. But we have unanimously voted to give the second spot to, to Debo because, well, he basically was the 49ers offense. And uh, it was incredibly dynamic and useful for us. Devontae Adams, while good, like, I don't think he had quite the same level of a season as yeah, Debo look, did. De-
2: Debo, Debo's a running, he's a wide receiver. Yeah he's also he's got a flex, cool name a how can you not love Debo Samuel like, give him a Pro Bowl for that. well he doesn't need any yeah. more well yeah, he really could probably play if he wanted but yeah Devontae Adams like yeah, obviously really really good more than worthy of it but Debo, he's just so much fun to watch yeah. this season just amazing stuff
1: yeah and they've given yeah, us joy go ahead if, if the Pro Bowl is about exciting players doing exciting things then Debo Samuel is the, probably the most exciting player to watch I mean yeah top three exciting players to watch in the NFL at the moment so give it to
0: him and yeah, um, do his things Tight end, they've given us George Kittle. Uh, I think myself and Sean to scream. Should we go with Kyle Pitts here? Because um, Kittle's been fine, but it's not been a very big yeah. season for him. And yeah, be see- honest, a little bit underwhelming. Uh, like, I, if you th- if you think of what we we're talking about two years ago, is this guy is oh, is he the best in the league? Is he up at the very top level? And it's like he was nowhere near that this year. Nowhere near that level. See,
2: George, George Kittle's actually a tight end. You know, he does
0: blocking very well. So does <laughs> and so, so he so catches he the, the ball. tight ends, yeah. and they also catch the ball, yeah, and they, they, they also don't rely don't have... on their running back to be the only receiving option on their team. Yeah, but like, look, like,
2: you know... Kittle nearly had a 1,000 yards again, despite having a down season, despite having a couple of injury things earlier on. So, like, you know, I think George Kittle, if you you want a tight end, yeah. But, like, look, Kyle Pitts, like, he's obviously an amazing talent. It'd be really interesting to see what he does, as long as the Falcons don't completely have no talent next year. Uh, But, yeah, like, Kittle, as a tight end, probably the best. Yeah,
1: yeah. Kyle Pitts, to be fair, he's not actually a tight end. But he does officially play there, so we can give it to him. Yeah, it's a way of squeezing him into the team. You know, he wouldn't get into as wide receiver. Uh, yeah,
0: I do, but that day later on. So uh, I suppose I have nothing better to, to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, our line here: Trent Williams, Tristan Wirfs, Zach Martin, Brandon Sheriff, and uh, Jason Kelsey. Um, this is an interesting mixture of. Mm. There's a lot more. Uh, it, fe- it feels a lot more kind of senior on this line, doesn't it? Just like uh, mm. a bit more. Like like Jason Kelsey is good, but he's old and was probably like I think there's still question marks about whether he's going to retire this offseason he, and stuff like
2: he that he was very good until the playoff game where he was bad Both yeah like he, was down, really he was really bad then he was really good for the rest of the season like by all the objective measures he was like like the best yeah. centre in the league uh, I had Ali Marbet instead of Brandon Schreff but you can really take either Brandon Schreff's probably a little bit going off his reputation as obviously a, a, an all pro in previous seasons mm. yeah like Trent Williams was the best tackle in the league no choice there and Tristan Wirth was great for Tampa Bay and you know, I don't think you could have as too many Tampa Bay people here except for Trent Williams and uh, really at, at
0: tackle yeah like it's a it's a nice line it's a more senior line so it'll be you know it'll be battle test it'll be ready for uh, for all the all the tough uh, blitzing stunts that are going to be thrown at them during this, uh, <laughs> this this elite competition um let's move on to the defense on the nfc side okay so we have nick bosa and brian burns at defensive end and we've got aaron donald and jonathan allen at uh defensive tackle so uh We're looking at probably putting Cam Jordan in in place of Brian Burns. Uh, Like, unanimously, yes, on Aaron Donalds, Nick Bosa. And then Jonathan Allen, I think, myself and Sean, went for Vita Vea, and you went for Javon Hargrave there. Yeah, like,
2: Brian Burns is a really good defensive end, but he's, I think, more of a part-timer situational. Cam Jordan is an every-down defensive end, and I think you have to have someone from that New Orleans defense because they were doing a lot of heavy lifting Uh, this year to get that team to be anyway relevant, so I think Cam Jordan, uh, I think based on his play this season, and certainly his reputation and his uh, previous years deserves it. And yeah, John and Allen, also I think once again kind of a situational guy. Uh, he's definitely improved from being a pure like third down like pass rusher kind of guy, but he's still you know for the position relatively underweight. And then guys like Javen Hargrave and Vita Ve, I suppose you know want to give some love to those 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 big guys, you know, who who do a bit more uh, to, to 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 block up the lanes mm. and keep the run game under control.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Vita Vea. I mean, part of a you know a really dominant uh, Tampa Bay defensive uh, defensive line in terms of the the run game and such like, and also you know big play. You know big play, sacks, explosive stuff. You love to see that. That's the kind of Pro Bowl stuff that you want to see. Guys whose names you've actually heard of, rather than some guy called Jonathan Allen.
0: <laughs> True. Uh, linebacker position. Two inside linebackers are Chandler Jones and Robert Quinn, and the middle linebacker is Micah Parsons. Um, yeah, so I like cheat.
2: <laughs> I cheat. I'm like, Micah Parsons, you can put him wherever you want. I'm uh, like, I think, Connor, you've cheated because you put him in twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is fair enough. <laughs> he, he could probably go in over Cam Jordan at the defensive end, to be perfectly frank. like he, This yeah. guy was just ridiculous this year, and. Yeah, he he died. I, I
0: actually honestly thought whenever I was doing my my replacements that they had forgotten him somehow. <laughs> I just, oh, okay. I was just putting yeah. him in. I, I, for, at first, I did not think that too when
1: I saw that you put Michael yeah. Parsons in. Like, it, but, uh... like like
2: Look, I I moved Michael Parsons to outside linebacker because he played outside linebacker in the four-three scheme. He played inside linebacker. He played um, defensive end. Yeah, he yeah. did everything. So I moved him to outside linebacker in kind of a four-three type scheme situation. I put Bobby Wagner in because you know I love my Bobby Wagner Seahawks. Yeah. He yeah someone here and I end up screwing over Quandary Diggs later on so I felt yeah Bobby Wagner he's still Bobby Wagner and yeah I think Jander Jones like he had that one really big game but mm-hmm. I don't know if he had a Pro Bowl type season to be perfectly frank yeah uh, um, I back think on- John yeah, so, you kind of did similar so I've got Fred Warner in there like uh, yeah um, I, I love Fred
1: Warner I mean it's odd he, when he Fred Warner hasn't actually made the Pro Bowl squad at all and when he was talk, asked about it he said that yeah he didn't have a good season but every time I watched him I thought it was amazing um, he's kind of, when I watch the Niners, he's my guy to watch, so I love him. And I also put in Shaq Barrett because, you know, another you know one of those Tampa Bay dominant defensive line guys.
2: And Fred Warner has that kind of Jadavion Clowney thing where he looks—he like, just looks like a big scary dude on the field. Like, he just yeah. looks bigger and like more dangerous than the guys who are like flitting around him.
1: Yeah, no, yeah everything good about the Niners' defense goes through Fred Warner, um, and they that are looks. a very good defense. Hmm. Both as well, but yeah. Fred Warner is more the quarterback of the, of the of the defensive
0: line, but yeah. Mm. Uh, let's move on to the back half of the the back end of the defense. So uh, the two quarterbacks here are Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey. Our free safety is Quandre Diggs, and our strong safety is Buda Baker. So we're pretty happy with that. But we're saying Quandre Diggs, no. Antoine Winfield Jr., yes.
2: Yeah, like look, yeah. Diggs. had a really good season for the Seahawks. Like I, I don't begrudge him getting this, but I think given where that defense was overall. Uh, I I don't think there was that much need to to put two Seahawks or or even one Seahawk on it. But uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. on a more successful defense is obviously a rising star in the league. Uh, And, yeah, I think Trayvon Diggs, obviously, the the flashy stats, but the the pushback given his... uh, You know, yards given up, but I think, you know, like look, it's the Pro Bowl. Give it the guy who got all the picks. Like, I think that all makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean both of these cornerbacks, I'm like, Trayvon Diggs did not actually have a good season. He just got a lot of interceptions. And Jalen Ramsey barely played cornerback at any point this season. He was kind of moved all around. And yeah, there are issues with that as a thing. He is probably the the most talented Defensive player in the league, so you've got to give it to him. But Trayvon Dick whoa, I mean, I just
0: Save it for the Jalen Ramsey podcast. We've already been flagging <laughs> this for two or three weeks. I, I'm, you want I'm to go hyping it. I'm,
1: I'm hyping it. I'm hyping Oh, yeah.
0: Um, well, I we, Dicks, we will, like
2: we will be Trayvon talking Dicks next thing. week about, you know. Jalen Ramsey, one-on-one with some other guy? Let's see if that makes Yeah, sense. They,
1: they better actually put him on Chase as opposed to moving him all around because... But do you, they don't do you leave him one-on-one?
2: I don't know. Anyway, that's next week. Yeah, we'll talk about it next week.
1: It's what he's good at. We'll talk about next week, but it's actually what he's good at and all this other flashy shit that they're trying is not working. As okay, well, okay. just put him on the put him on the best wide receiver, and he takes him out of the game. But anyway, that's not important. Trayvon Diggs, I just couldn't. I mean, you have to give it to him, but I mean, if I could think of someone better, I would have. I would have slotted someone in definitely. I was looking and thinking, but I was like, oh, I guess because of what he did. But he's not. I don't think he's actually a good cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's not all about interceptions at corner. Let's just put, leave it at that.
0: Fair enough. And our special teams group for the NFC, Matt Gay, a kicker, Brian Anger, a punter, uh, JT Grazer, your special teamer, and Jakeem Grant as your returner. Um, The only suggested swap here is you wanted uh, Michael Dixon as your punter fits. It's uh, It's
2: not just a homer pick. He also... Had the double punt where his punt was blocked oh, and he kicked no. again. but, but, but I, mean, you not give say, him not him a pro ball for that. He not, should not, be not banned. That for wound, the pro ball Sean,
0: Sean reckons that that should have him kicked out of the league. <laughs> so,
2: no, no, yes. that's that's innovation. That that's, that's upside down Australian thinking that we know and love. You know. <laughs> I mean, to be fair to him, it's don't hate the player, hate
1: the game. I mean, he was just exploiting the rule. The
0: rule is the problem.
1: But yeah, don't remind me of that.
0: To but... be honest, I'd imagine that no one knew what the rule was, and it took a long time to figure <laughs> out what the rule actually. Was it did so take him a while
1: to figure yeah. it out. Even the, the fox, even the fox ref guy, Mark, my prayer initially didn't know what the rule was when he was asked to comment on it. So uh. Uh, yeah.
0: No, fair enough. Um, Strong disagreement on the double punt. That's the analysis you wait for when you get the yeah. Pro Bowl. <laughs> do, you, do you know? Do you know what you want after we've just figured out what the Super Bowl matchup's going to be? Us having a five-minute conversation about a special teams play from Week Nine, like yeah. So um, yeah, so we all kind of reckon AFC have the better roster here out of this and should be able to do it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Now obviously, Outside th- receiver basically. Yeah, there's go- there's going to be some Most bits that are going to be a little bit a uh, little bit weird. so obviously some of these players aren't going to be able to make it some of them just get too intimidated uh so i believe instead of having rogers or tom brady they're going to have kirk cousins and things like that yeah. which are going to mess yeah. it up a little bit we'll say um but yeah, it's uh. I always and it's Russell was Wilson it...
1: as well as the backup or something, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, and he
0: yeah. missed
2: a bunch of the season. I think like the one of the fun ones is the cornerbacks at NFC. I think Stephon Gilmore is actually going at this point. So interesting. Oh, Jesus.
0: The um, <laughs> I always wondered if there was any element to like to recruitment from this for like if you're if you're a team who's obviously not playing in the Super Bowl and you end up coming down to it, like. Does so you coming down and spending a few days with some of these other players who might be coming into free agency and you can kind of like oh look we're fun we get along I can pass really well to you maybe you want to come to us in free agency and stuff if there's any kind of degree of recruitment stuff that might come out of it uh, I'm sure that's probably just wish casting yeah. for some I, of this I'd, stuff like, but yeah.
2: obviously the Pro Bowl it's, it's an amazing game it's the best game of the season but the, the true you know height of the NFL season happens even before that because oh, the skills NFL skills challenge skills challenge, is, skills coming challenge coming is what
0: it's all about baby
2: you know, all about those five-point QB throws, you know. Uh,
0: I think my <laughs> personal favorite is the kicker tic-tac-toe. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, I can't believe that they missed this last year and they just did a digital Madden one.
2: I believe there was a thing called COVID nineteen. I've forgotten all about it, but it was apparently yeah.
1: important at they, the time. They
0: better have two Pro Bowls but this like, year to but make but up this for day was, back-to-back day. It, it, it was, it was, it was, it was okay enough for them to play in every other game apart from the most important game of the year, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, they, they should combine the old Pro Bowl format with
2: it. like do the NFC versus NFC, and then the next game have a draft of all the players and oh, then create yeah. your own oh, custom yeah. teams against each other. Yeah, yeah, that'd, yeah. Be yeah
0: that'd, be, uh, that'd be great. Now you're thinking. Yeah, that'll be that'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll have them coached by a hologram of John Madden. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Right. I suppose I'll probably wrap it up. We'll obviously be doing a deep dive, four-hour breakdown of the results of the uh, Pro Bowl, and then we will uh, we'll, we'll probably have a quick look at the Super Bowl matchup in the next in the next week's uh, episode instead. But um, yeah, any other crack with yourselves for the rest of the week, lads? Any plans?
1: Uh, I have to take the cat up to Atlone because we're getting the bathroom redone and she uh, doesn't like people. Um, so that is what my life has become.
0: Very good. Uh, uh, definitely uh, doesn't sound crazy at all. <laughs> How
2: long is that going to take?
1: Uh, it's a week. We, they promised us five days. It's one of those, you know, oh. they, they will do it in five days thing.
0: Our guys um, actually got ours done in five days, which is pretty good. Um, so it is it is doable
2: yeah i think uh nothing too much my end either just uh p- probably gonna watch the rugby i suppose that's back six nations and all that go on mm. ireland etc uh, but other than that uh, pretty quiet just getting yeah just do it, putting in my tape prep for the pro bowl that's supposed to be it to be honest yeah, yeah gotta, gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta gotta
0: grind that tape you know all 22 in, you know put put in the work um yeah no i think kind of fairly fairly chilled out here during the week uh a few more bits of work in the garden and stuff to finish off and then uh, head down to Kerry for the weekend for one of the uh, nephew's birthdays. So that should be good. Uh, we're returning to normality, going to family events and things like that. So uh, some crack. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, so I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week. So uh, from now, it's uh, bye from myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.